This evening's reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 to 40, on page 1112 in the Church Bibles. Page 1112, Acts 16, 16 to 40. <clears throat> Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy, because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Son of God, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us this evening. We pray that you'd open our hearts to receive you gladly and with great joy. And Lord, that you would be really pleased to loose the chains of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. What happens when the Spirit of God leads us into dark places? What happens? What do we think? What do we feel? What do we believe? What does it mean when, because we've done good, because we're a Christian, because we've told someone the message about Jesus, that things begin to get worse rather than better. Now surely, when, when we talk about wanting to be led by the Spirit, we expect to be led into good things, right? I mean, I do. Two weeks ago, we learned about two missionaries, Paul and Silas. And they were also mentioned in our reading today. And they were, without a, shout, uh, without a doubt, absolutely convinced that they had to go to Macedonia, that the Spirit of God had closed every other single door that they thought they had to go through and instead opened this one door to Macedonia, and that is where they ended up, in Philippi, in Macedonia. So off they go. And if you were here two weeks ago, you'll remember that they basically hit the jackpot. I mean, if Paul and Silas were modern-day missionaries writing back to their supporters at home, I think they'd say something like this, if they sent postcards in those days. Dear friends, having a fantastic time. Philippi is great. We met Lydia. She's a really important businesswoman here. God's opened her heart to receive the message of Jesus. And loads of people are now following him. Hooray! She even let us crash at her place. And her Sunday roast was excellent. And best thing of all, we led a mass baptism service last night that included her entire family and all of her household. Wish you were here. We'll send more great news soon. Paul and Silas. Surely the Spirit of God has led them to the right place. I mean, look at all the people who now believe. Surely if there were ever a firmer confirmation that they were in the plan and the will of God in the right place for preaching the good news, Philippi was it. Ah, because then we read on. What has gone wrong? It'd be great to have your Bible open. I know some of it may end up on the screen, but if you have it open, that will really help. It was page 1112. And I'm going to flip between reading a few different verses as we go through. Verse 22. The crowd joins in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. 
After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Can you imagine the taunts? Where's your God now, Silas? All right, yeah, Paul, so you can cast out demons, but you're not such a big mouth now, are you? You know, when in verse 23 it says they were thrown into prison, it's also the word you might use to talk about casting out evil spirits. Is Luke trying to tell us something? Maybe. But you can imagine the irony of now landing in prison, being chained and shackled, captive, when you've just spent the last week preaching the gospel freely, seeing people come to Jesus, and then most lately, casting out the most obvious manifestation of demonic power. Has God abandoned them? And if, if he hasn't, well then the other question is, how on earth can the Spirit of God have led them into this? Can you imagine the humiliation? They were stripped almost entirely naked, paraded, prodded, in front of the marketplace, in plain sight of the whole city. Like this is, this is not like being shut up at the Old Bailey when you get sentenced there. This is like having your hide kicked while somebody whips out a phone, takes a video and then uploads it to YouTube and everybody stands around having a really good laugh. That's brutal. That is public humiliation. It's the sort of defamation that today would end careers, that ends relationships, that, do you know, frankly, sometimes it ends lives. The sort of hype that condemns people as guilty and you've got to prove, you've got to work really hard to prove them innocent. And what's the worst thing? Well, the authorities are complicit, aren't they? So corruption abounds. The humiliation is never going to end because who do you appeal to? And can you imagine the physical suffering? I, I doubt many of us would have been beaten so badly that we'd find it hard to walk about afterwards, but I can't really read verse 23 any other way. I think Luke is drawing our attention, kind of without saying it completely, when he says they were severely flogged, that they were, they were really, really badly beaten up. And after this, they then get parceled off to the high security wing, sort of the equivalent of Belmarsh Prison. And to make it even more grisly, they can't even sit or stand properly because they have their feet stuck in, in stocks and chains. I mean, this is, frankly, it's disturbing, isn't it? The extremity of the violence is enough to make us shudder. But this is the place that the Spirit of God has led them? So what about it? What about it when this Spirit leads us into dark places? What then? What does it mean? Because it seems from this passage that, well, sometimes it does happen. Now, I, I hope this evening that 
It helps us to get ready, not scared, not defensive, and certainly not paranoid, but that we have a settled heart, I dare say even a a more joyful heart. Because if there's one thing I would really, really like us to take home tonight, it is this, that when the Spirit of God leads us into dark places, God does his best work in the dark. When the Spirit of God leads us to dark places and we preach the gospel, God does his best work in the dark. God does his best work in the dark. So take heart. This is normal. This is the way of Jesus. John 15, Jesus says to his followers, if they hated me, then they will also hate you. Romans 8, for your sake, Jesus, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Luke 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Friends, God does his best work in the dark because that is the way of Jesus. That's the gospel pattern of life. That's the shape of who we are if we're now Christians. Now, if if that is sounding totally alien to you, um, but you would still say, "I, I am a Christian, can I ask, does your faith have space for a cross? I ask that because I think, myself included, we're all want to, you know, in desiring to have the goodness of God and his blessings and his guidance and his help, his love, his care, his power, his, his glory, that often we forget that our faith also has a cross. But maybe you're thinking something else. Others will have been Christians a long, long time, and frankly, perhaps you just came here looking for a bit of encouragement, and well, well done, Vicky. What a comfort. You know, it's dark outside, it's cold, it's raining, we've got a storm on the way, and frankly, you're just making it worse. Well, I wouldn't blame you, but hang in there. Because the comfort is that when the Spirit leads you to dark places... You're sensitive, you're contextualized, you're calm. Or do you know, sometimes, like Paul, you just, you just lose your rag. And it starts to get really, really bad. Do you know what? You are not the problem. You are not the problem. God has not led you into a dark or a desert-like place only to leave you to starve. God's spirit, the spirit of Jesus, does not have a problem with you. People have a problem with God. And the evil one has a problem with Jesus. It's not you in that sense. Rather, it's the way of Jesus. And God does his best work through Jesus, doesn't he? God does his best work in the dark, and that's normal. 
that's the way of Jesus. But there is more, so hang on. When the Spirit leads us into dark places, take heart because God will do his best work in you. When the Spirit leads you to dark places, God will do his best work in you. Prison is such a hopeless place, like even more so if you have no recourse to justice. And, you know, looking at the news, there's many in our recent history who have experienced that. You only have to look up all the inquiries into the post office scandal to see what happens when you have a prison sentence that's handed out without any real justice. But I think this Philippian prison also represents something. It's the same thing that we see holding sway over the life of this slave woman. It's the same thing that incites a mob. It's what is God over these slave owners. And it's the one that rules a cold, dark, damp, and frankly, feces-strewn prison. It's the devil. Malevolent evil has a face. And the Spirit of God has led Paul and Silas right into the very heart of his kingdom, into the kingdom ruled by darkness, not as victorious winners, but as sheep to be slaughtered, as captives. And yet, the more astonishing thing is, Paul and Silas, did you notice, they don't act like captives. Friends, when the Spirit of God leads us to dark places, God does his best work in us. It is not normal to have been beaten up, to have been dragged into prison, to have not been served justice, to be sitting in a really awkward, horrible place, and to sing. That is not normal. That is a miracle. God does his best, his most powerful, transforming work in the heart of a believer when the odds are most stacked against them. Paul and Silas had every reason to complain or to doubt God's goodness, and instead they sang and they prayed. And the best thing of all, they had a captive audience. I thought you'd like that one. They have, li- they have prisoners listening to them attentively. Now, a couple of years ago, I, I visited Uganda. I went to a place called Namagongo. And did you know that the church in Uganda came alive through singing? When the king of Buganda's nobles first turned to Jesus, they were martyred. But as they were being, I mean, paraded to the funeral pyre, and they were still alive, by the way, they were singing. And as the the executioners bundled them up in reeds and lay them feet first in the fire so that they'd burn more slowly, there's testimonies from the executioners about how these Christians turned to each other and said, it's all right, brother, not long now. They sang. They sang. They sang in flames. Friends, that is not normal. That is the power of God. I don't have that courage. I'm pretty sure many of his here don't have that kind of courage. But that is the power of the Spirit of God to transform a heart, 
in the darkness. When the Spirit leads to dark places, God will do his best work in you. But even more than that, when the Spirit leads us to dark places, God will also do his best work through you. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. We're not told why there was an earthquake, but the way that Luke sort of writes this implies that God was answering directly the prayers and the hymns of Paul and Silas. Perhaps they prayed something like Psalm 142. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. God answers prayer. He answers their prayers. And the foundations of darkness shake, literally. It's a foretaste, isn't it? When Jesus returns, it won't be a tea party. (laughs) Mountains will melt. The earth will split before the glory of the Lord. And as surely as the sun pierces the night, God (laughs) will shatter evil. The prison doors fly open (laughs) when the king of glory comes. So why then do Paul and Silas stay If God answers their prayers and they can escape, why don't they? I think this is quite amazing. Like Jesus, they renounce the right to freedom so that they can free somebody else. Like the way of Jesus, they sit in the darkness even longer to bring light to someone else. Why did the Spirit of God lead Paul and Silas there? Maybe it was for one lost sheep. Again, we're not told exactly what this jailer thought, but he is one tough nut, okay? Ancient jailers were not people to be messed with. Likely an ex-Roman soldier on a pension, this was not someone that you would want to meet down a dark alleyway. I mean, the man is prepared to die on his own sword, and it takes for Paul to shout out and reassure him that everyone's there, in the pitch black, for him not to do it. So it was always going to take something pretty massive to shake up this jailer's world. And well, he got it, didn't he? Because clearly... The man is shaken up. 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell, trembling, literally shaking, just like the ground. And the opportunity comes just at the right time, in just the right place, with the wounds of injustice still marking Paul and Silas' bodies. Just in time 
to show this man the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. I mean, what other testimony is there to God's love? God's love through them. They stayed and they told him about Jesus. Friends, it's almost like God does his best work in the dark when the shepherd leaves the 99 safe in the pen and he goes out into the darkness and he climbs into the lion's mouth to save one lost sheep. Friends, you you don't know when Jesus is going to lead you in the spirit into something like this. I, I really hope not prison. It could be. It's more likely less traumatic, though not necessarily a less painful situation. But you can be absolutely sure that God will be doing it to save the least likely of people. Just zoom out with me for a moment. We've had Lydia, a tradeswoman who's come to faith. Now we have a jailer, very unlikely person coming to faith each has a household put them together what do you have a church a philippian church friends when the spirit leads us into dark places god will do his best work through you and what an amazing work Now, really briefly, and I think it is important to end on this, when the Spirit leads us to dark places, God will also do his best work for you. God will do his best work for you. What do I mean? Well, we saw this dark prison, a dark jailer, his dark heart, and now dark rulers all turning into light-filled places. But what's interesting here is that Paul and Silas become publicly vindicated. Have a look down at verse 37. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and throw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. Have you noticed how the governors and magistrates are backtracking? Oh, pretty please, if you'd be so good, would you please not kick up a fuss and not tell Caesar that we've just put you in prison? Can you please just be quiet and leave our city? I mean, what a contrast. You know, sometimes it is right to give up your rights as a Christian, sometimes to go to trial, and sometimes it can be right to pick up those rights again. We are called to the way of Jesus, We're called to the way of suffering that leads to glory. But we are also promised vindication. What Paul and Silas experienced of public justice 
is just a drop in the ocean of what God will do on the final day for his people. And yet, there's no reason to not expect God to turn the hearts of authorities, is there? Don't we pray for our authorities? We may be like sheep to be slaughtered, and yet we are also more than conquerors through Christ. And so we pray. We pray for leaders. We pray for those in authority. We pray for them to vindicate believers and to clear their shame when they've been wronged. Friends, we can be confident that when the Spirit leads us to dark places, God does his best work for us, and he will vindicate us. God does his best work in the dark. Friends, where might God be calling you to go? Who might be in a very dark place? Where might be a very dark place? Is it possible that the Spirit might lead you or may have already led you into a dark place to share the gospel? And it's hard. Would take heart because when he does, and, and he will at some point, God does promise to do his absolute best work in the dark. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not leave us in darkness, but you cause darkness to turn to light, and you thwart even the most wicked of plans to bring the gospel of good news to people who need it. We thank you that you have done that for us, and we pray you'd use us to do that for others. Lord, that we'd be open to going where you will lead. Help us as a congregation, as a family, to encourage each other, to pray for one another, and to praise your name with great joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.